This is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's a podcast for parents to help them thrive and not just survive these parenting years. My name is Jay Holland, and I'll be sharing some tools, tips, and tricks that I've learned in 20 years of successes and failures in student ministry, foster parenting, and parenting my own kids. So for about four months, I think, I have been asking you guys to send me some questions, uh, things that you're struggling with that you would like us to answer. And I am so excited because somebody took me up on the offer. And uh, it's really fun and helpful to try to tackle a question that doesn't just come from things that I'm struggling with or I've been researching. So today, we're going to hit one that I think is a really good question. It's going to be, in a sense, more geared for families of, of younger kids, Although uh, I would encourage you to stick around and listen because there's some principles that apply whether your kids are younger, whether you're older, and and actually to you uh, as well, not just for your kids. But here's the question, and, and it actually comes from a guy who's a dear friend of mine. Back when I was a baby, baby youth pastor, he was just a, a, the youngest of like five kids in a family who uh, they were all over the place. Um, but we became very close during that time. He lived right behind the church. We got to hang out quite a bit, and uh, I'm just so proud of the job that he's done in uh, being a good husband, being a good dad. And so without further ado, here's the question that my friend sent me. He said, my son, who is now about five years old, has grown up in a Christian home. He's grown up knowing that he's a sinner, knowing that Jesus came to earth and died to save him. He knows that the only way to heaven is to love Jesus. And when something goes wrong, he takes it to Jesus. So at what point do you allow him to get baptized and start taking communion? I honestly believe that he believes in Jesus as much as anyone I know because he's been trained to do that. He also believes that the color red is red because he's been taught to believe that as well. So does it really make sense to sit him down and say, hey, do you really believe that red is red? Are you sure that red is not blue? Uh, In other words, as, as far as his spiritual life goes, does it make sense to sit down and ask him or lead him in a sinner's prayer when I already see personal faith and hope in his actions? So I, I love this question. It's a good question. And, and actually, it's a question that I have walked through with people at, at different times and, and had to come to terms with myself in, in my own kid's life. So, you know, kind of the question is, especially with younger kids, kids that are growing up in the church that are demonstrating that they want to get baptized, that they want to take part in the Lord's Supper. Uh, They're demonstrating some kind of faith. And the question is, am I rushing them into the decision? Because I'm not trying to force it. You know, we scripturally don't see evidence of infant baptism or child baptism. And you're certainly not a disciple or follower of Jesus simply because your family goes to church. It doesn't work like that it's a personal decision. But at the same time, you know that children who grow up in families that love God, who model that, who grow up going to church and Sunday school, learning about Jesus, are going to more naturally, more quickly trust the adults in their life, and they're going to come to Jesus. And just because an adult tells you something doesn't mean that it's true. But at the same time, just because an adult tells you something doesn't mean that you should just wholeheartedly reject it until you get older. You know, when my kids are sick, I give them medicine. They don't understand the mechanics of the medicine, but they have the faith to trust me, give them the right medicine, and it's the right medicine. So uh, I don't know. That might be a terrible metaphor. Not sure. But but, uh, let's just kind of talk about this in general. So 
basically something like 90% of people who end up following Jesus do so between the ages of 4 and 14. So, by the way, like I, I honestly can't imagine if you're listening to a podcast on parenting from a Christian perspective, you're probably already there. Like you probably already have your kids in church. You probably are already deeply involved. Um, but at the same time, maybe maybe you're not. Maybe you're a little bit spiritually aloof or, or maybe you're just kind of partially checking in or something like that. It's so critical to be regularly, faithfully walking your, your walk of faith uh, participating as a family in following Jesus and and being in a church community because that four to fourteen year old period is it's the major formative time of your life. It's not just coming to Christ. It's basically the habits and patterns of most of their life. Kids are going to revert back to what they saw modeled. You know, that's why kids who have alcoholic parents end up become alcoholics. That's why kids who grow up in a house with yelling and screaming generally tend to do the same thing. Now, it's not guaranteed 100%, but that's generally the way it goes. So most kids, most people that are going to come to Jesus do so during that time. And truthfully, it's not like they understand every nuance of theology during that time. Like I, I came to Jesus when I was six years old. And I've always used the date February 16th, 1984, but but really I made up that date after the fact. I just kind of felt like I needed to have a date. Um by the time that I know that I know that I belong to Jesus, I know I had followed a Sunday school teacher at one point in uh, the sinner's prayer, and I got a sticker. That's how I remember that I did it, because I got a sticker for it. I know that I raised my hand one time in kids' church um, when somebody gave an invitation. But uh, but personally, like I've always gone back to this one particular time when I was by myself in my bedroom praying on my bed. It was in the middle of the day, praying that Jesus would help me to know for sure that I was going to heaven to be with him and uh, that I wasn't going to hell and that he had saved me and forgiven me. And it was so crazy because as a six-year-old in the middle of praying, I got this incredible feeling of peace. I got this great feeling of peace. And I know now that that was the Holy Spirit. That was like the Holy Spirit giving me peace in that prayer. But I knew that I could stop praying it. I knew that it was true. And I ran downstairs and jumped in my mom and dad. I can't remember which one of their laps because they were both there. And I told them that I know that I'm going to be to heaven with Jesus when I die and that I'm not going to go to hell. Now, look, I, I know that feeling doesn't make something true. As I got older and began to really explore and wrestle in my faith, it turns out that it's true. It doesn't mean that because I didn't fully understand it when I was little, that I didn't really understand what the Holy Spirit was doing in my life. It doesn't make it less true. I had a tenderness towards Jesus, and I was choosing to follow him. So in, in my case, the following year, um, I got baptized on Easter Sunday with my cousin Becky at Fellowship Baptist Church in Barbersville, West Virginia, and I'll always remember it because the water was cold. It was like a cold bath. The hot water wasn't working in there, and so... Um, even though it wasn't out in a creek, uh, in March in West Virginia, the water supply running through the ground is cold, but I got baptized and I will, I will always remember that. But it does kind of bring up a question. So in, in that, when was the moment of my salvation? Was it when I prayed in that Sunday school class and got the sticker? Was it when I raised my hand in kids church? 
or was it when I was upstairs in my room praying? Now, the, the one that I always go back to was upstairs in my room praying, but the truth is I don't know, and ultimately, it's really not that big a deal. I actually remember being in a church revival one time, and apparently the Spirit wasn't moving enough for the evangelist's liking, and he began to really pummel the church with uh, telling people, if you don't remember the moment, if you don't remember the day that you got saved, that you prayed the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus to save you, then you should be right in questioning your salvation, and you better go ahead and pray and make sure. And honestly, that was so manipulative and so wrong, and there is no biblical basis for that. Number one, there's no biblical basis. That's too hard. I don't want to say there's no biblical basis for the sinner's prayer, because the sinner's prayer is is something that we do that, that is biblical, but it's not prescribed in the Bible. You know, if you look in Romans, it doesn't say that if you pray the sinner's prayer, then you'll be saved. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means that Jesus is king, that Jesus is in charge, and then you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. But let me let you in on a little secret. I don't remember anything about the day when I was born. Nothing. I don't even remember the week. As a matter of fact, I have no memories from that first year of being born but I have a lot of evidence that it happened because here I am. So I must have been born. Uh, and, and the same thing, you know, the United States and, and places where the United States missionaries have been a lot of times around the world, full of people who have prayed a prayer after someone, but then never showed any kind of evidence of loving Jesus, following Jesus, having tenderness towards the things of God, having inner tenderness towards obeying him. But they prayed a prayer and they think they're okay. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with praying a prayer. I use that as a method as I'm witnessing to people. And as a matter of fact, I got to share the gospel in a couple different public schools this week and invited students to pray something like what I just demonstrated to them. Uh, so I'm not against it, but I'm also aware that just because somebody repeats some words doesn't make them... Uh, it's not an abracadabra thing. So saying exact words doesn't make you more saved than if you don't. So what does it have to do with, with our kids? Um, all right, I have four kids, and three of them have already been baptized, and they all were baptized at a pretty young age. I think if you were to talk to, to any of the three, they cannot remember a specific moment of salvation. As a matter of fact, I know that one of them, at least when they were baptized, they were they were young enough to where it was baptism, like B-A-T-H, baptism. Uh, and, uh, you know, so they can't even pronounce it correctly, but they got baptized. So why do we let them get baptized? Well, here was the wrestling. Um, when I look at their lives, they claim a love for God. They demonstrate tenderness to the things of God. I'd seen tenderness and change in their heart. I'd seen a difference in um, wanting to obey him, of, of seeking forgiveness from Jesus when they sin, um, and a desire to follow God in obedience. And part of that was a desire to be baptized. Now, I have a fourth child, and she wants to be baptized. 
uh, because when we have baptism at our church on Sunday and all the kids gather around the pool, she sees people being baptized and she comes and she wants to be baptized. In her life, I don't yet see evidence of her understanding salvation or following Jesus. And I don't mean, like, she can tell you that Jesus died on the cross for her sins, but I'm, I I don't see evidence that she gets it. And I don't mean to some complex theological level. I mean to evidence to me of faith as a child. In my others, I saw it. And my concern as a parent and as a pastor has become not so much that we might accidentally baptize kids too early or let them take of the Lord's Supper too early. My concern has become that by delaying it, we are ingraining them, we are training them for disobedience. It's basically like we're saying, all right, Jesus commands a bunch of things of us, but you know, you get to pick and choose which ones you obey, and you get to pick and choose when you obey them. But when you look at Scripture, when were people baptized? They were baptized upon belief. They were baptized basically immediately. And and you think of Acts 16 in the Philippian jailer. Uh, he and his household were baptized that night, the first night that they heard. The Ethiopian eunuch, he was baptized in a pool of water as they were going down right after he heard. And so baptism, especially, is the command of initial obedience for someone following Jesus, showing that you identify with his death, burial, and resurrection, and that you've been raised to new life. Now, is a child going to understand all of that? Uh, no. As a matter of fact, most adults don't understand it. And, and I've been studying the Bible for a long time, and I cannot tell you that I fully understand all of the implications of baptism. But I do know this. I do know that Jesus commands it. I know that it's a public profession of my faith. I know that it helps me identify that he died, was buried, and rose again, and that I'm trusting that for my salvation. I'm not trusting baptism for my salvation. I'm trusting Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. And because I trust that, I want to get baptized. And I feel like if a kid can understand that, and you're seeing as a parent that they're demonstrating that fruit, then you want to train them for quick obedience. So in our household, basically kind of how it's happened is number one, they've showed basic evidence of love of God, understanding of salvation and trust in Jesus. Number two, along the way, they've been instructed uh, just in the course of regular Bible teaching of the command for believers to follow Jesus and get baptized, the command to take the Lord's Supper if you identify as a believer. And then number three, they've asked us. So I've not approached my little kids ever and asked them to be baptized. Now, when I lead a, a teen to Christ or an adult to Christ, then I tell them, hey, you know, the Bible says one of the first steps of obedience that you have is to follow him in baptism. And we go in the Bible and look at that. But for my little kids, it's kind of generally presented as basic instruction. And I see for their heart of obedience. I see, are they getting it and, and saying, hey, can I do this? And if so, we arrange a time pretty quickly. We try to get it when their family can be around and they can celebrate. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's hypocritical. I'm not, I'm not delaying for years or even months and months and months. But in our case, it's been able to be where it's a, you know, within a few weeks where we've been able to arrange it where parents or grandparents can be there. And I think that's wonderful. We've made it public. Um, so that's kind of how we've done it. We've let them ask. And for my final kid, then my hope is that soon 
God willing, soon, 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 we will see that evidence of Jesus, and I will be thrilled to baptize her, thrilled to participate in the Lord's Supper with her. You see, the way I look at it, um, if, if a kid looks like this on the outside, now we don't know the heart of anyone. We truly don't know the salvation heart of anyone. But if we can train them that following Jesus means actually following Jesus and obeying him. So if we train that from the beginning, then if if they get to their teenage years, and this happens a lot, where a teenager will will say, well, you know, I got baptized as a kid, but I really didn't mean it, and I want to get baptized again. And, and I'll press them on it. And basically the conversation is something like this. Hey, so when you say you really didn't mean it or really didn't understand does that mean like you know that you didn't love God, you know that you didn't want to follow Jesus, or is it a matter of like now you more fully understand and you're ready to follow him to another level? And so if it's one of those where they say, no, I, I just truly didn't follow Jesus, I was just doing what people told me, but I didn't follow Jesus, then okay, praise the Lord, thank Jesus for your new life in him, let's get baptized, let's celebrate. If it's one of those where, no, they knew, but now they understand more, or they're really just, I think it's really awesome and admirable. They're trying to demonstrate a deeper level of commitment and a deeper level of faith. And so, and I'll just, I don't, I don't force that. No, you cannot be baptized, but I will say, look, your salvation was a one-time thing. What we see in scripture is baptism is a one-time identification. I don't think God's going to be mad at you if you get baptized twice. I don't think God's going to, you know, that that's kind of missing the point of the grace that we walk in. But I don't want to start training them that every time they, you know, get rededicated, that they get rebaptized. So it's, again, it's a path of wisdom. It's a walk of grace. If they want it and are demonstrating some kind of evidence as a kid, go ahead and do it. If as they get older, they um, feel like they need to do it again, press the conversation um, don't resist it because like, I want to be really careful with kids resisting something that, that is really something of tenderness between their heart and God. Um, but at the same time, I'm not just going to jump into letting them get baptized, um, just because they, you know, they have this new understanding of what it's like. If I did that every time I came up with just a deeper understanding of baptism, it'd be like 15, 20 times that I would have been baptized by now. So I just, I get excited about understanding it deeper, but it doesn't mean that I have to do it again. So again, this is kind of like a walk of, uh, it's a walk of grace. It's a path of wisdom. There's discernment along the way. And parents, mom, dad, maybe the first question is, maybe you're listening to this and you realize, you know what? I never actually got baptized. I never followed the Lord in baptism. And when I say baptism, let me be real Baptist here. The Greek word means to immerse. The Greek word means to dunk. I'm not trying to be legalistic, but it's kind of like um, if I say the word taco, a taco is one of those, you know, corn shells with some form of meat, cheese, stuff like that inside it. And you can call a peanut butter and jelly sandwich a taco, but it doesn't make it a taco. And, and so in the same way, I would encourage you, if you're going to be baptized, be baptized by immersion because that's what the word means. And you're identifying with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. That's, that's why the going under the water. It's, it's the symboli symbolic. <laughs> I'm not even going to delete that. Uh, it's just the symbolism of, of going into the grave, coming out of the grave. Him going into the tomb, coming out of the tomb. So mom's dad's. Make it easier on your kids. Follow Jesus in baptism. 
All right. So that's pretty much it. I think that covers the topic fairly well. And I really appreciate the question. It was a good one to kind of think through and figure out how to present. So, hey, if you've got any questions, you got any struggles, throw them at me. I may not be able to answer them, but I will do my best and I will do research. Um, I, I love having that feedback because it helps keep me on track and it helps sharpen me. So, hey, if this has been helpful to you at all, uh, what you could do that would be helpful to me is subscribe to it. Go on and, and do a rating of it on iTunes, Pod, um, Google Play, or Stitcher. That would be super helpful. It just helps make awareness uh, greater of it and just kind of increases the quality of, of the content and the distribution and everything. And uh, just share it with friends. Share it with people that you think it would be helpful with. And um, go baptize your kids. Hey, you are doing a great job. I think just by taking the time to listen to a parenting podcast means you're super engaged with your kids. You hope the best for them. You're trying to sharpen and do well. And man, that goes a long way. So work of the grace of God, and uh, we can trust him to help. Thanks for listening to Let's Parent on Purpose. It's a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. Come check us out. Check us out online at covenantfellowship.com. Remember to check out letsparentonpurpose.com to get archives of blogs, be able to um, see this in written form, and look at past episodes. This is Jay Holland. Thanks so much for listening today. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Don't give up. We'll see you later.